Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for this privilege, this wonderful honor to gather together as family in the unity of the faith as the body of Christ, the very bride of Christ. Thank you for this time given to us this morning to discuss such things as the bride of Christ, as your as our Father in heaven, as you designed such things to be for the man and the woman. Father, thank you for inspiring scripture that guides us to truth on these sensitive but yet profound subjects. Father, we pray especially for those that may be hearing this for the first time, that maybe haven't been ready in the past, but now are. We pray for those that may hear this after it's recorded and placed out on the internet, for your will be done. We pray especially also for the lost in this world, Father, that we might, as a congregation, as your word states, be lights on a hill, so that we might evangelize them, bring them to Christ, so that they might be our brothers and sisters forevermore. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to make these things, these prayers even, a reality in our own lives. We just ask for blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, the virtuous woman, God the Holy Spirit, gave us a wonderful message uh, from the morning session in India titled, God's Divine Design for the Woman. And so we spent a fair amount of time in Genesis, uh, as well as in the New Testament, um, discovering um, what God designed for the woman in the first place. And I had uh, intimated that with you on Thursday evening, that uh, Genesis, just reading Genesis, never gets old. Uh, and I would encourage you to read Genesis as often as you can. Um, but with that said, I want to transport us again back to India a couple of weeks ago now. That's what the, the room looked like. Uh, that, those were the patient women, uh, the women that thirsted for truth. It was a wonderful scene. And uh, I just ask that you transport yourself back then because uh, that is the power of the word. So let us review, though, the highlights since there's uh, an integration, if you would, uh, between these two lessons, God's divine design for the woman and then the virtuous woman, there's obviously a connection here, and that's how I taught it in India. Uh, it was a morning session and an afternoon session, so uh, it behooves us to remember some of the things that the Spirit brought out in the first session. First was this idea of bidirectional dependence that man and woman were designed to depend upon each other. While the ways in which they serve each other may differ, the simple fact is that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so we have to think about the male and female, the masculine and the feminine, as sort of two parts of God that represent God as a whole. Uh, and also, before we even dig in any further, go to Isaiah 55.8. Isaiah 55.8. So even right out of the gate, uh, if you're an American uh, or if you've just been in this world for any length of time, you know that 
This idea that men and women were designed to depend upon each other may seem foreign, maybe even offensive to some people. You know, I hear a lot of people saying, I don't need a woman or I don't need a man. I'm independent. I'm an independent. Everything's independence. And that's not the design that God had in mind from the get-go. So we have to remember Isaiah 55, 8, when we start thinking that way. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. In other words, look, man's got all kinds of inventions. He's got all kinds of ideas, even about God. Probably the the most interesting, um, I don't want to call it an artifact, but uh, for lack of a better term, artifact of the flesh uh, with unbelievers that I come across is they want God to be the God that they want, if that makes sense. They say, oh, no, 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 my God is this. You can have your God with Jesus Christ, the Son, and all that, but my God is this guy. He's a little bit like the Christian God, but he's a little different. He's kind of a tweener. He's halfway between Christian and some other thing. We call it syncretism, right, in theology. We take multiple theologies, mash them together, and say, well, I get to take and, you know, do a patch quilt of, of God. This religion says he's this way. This one says it's this way. This one says it's this way. Oh, I like these three aspects, but I don't like these aspects. So I'll take all these three aspects, knit them together, and that's my religion, and that's my God. And don't you say a word, Mr. Christian because you're offending me. That's my God. You can have your God. I'm not telling you can't have your God, so leave me alone. You get that? You everybody get that? That's what I get most often is people want their own conception of God. They want to be able to create God. But the God of the Bible says that's not a reality. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Matter of fact, if you read Romans 1, it says that there's all kinds of people that invent other gods idolatry, uh, creature credit, the list goes on and on. So, getting back to the point, though, this means that we must never accept what we presuppose is true and impose it upon God. Rather, we must always accept what the Word of God has to say and accept it upon ourselves. I was reflecting on this. Um, Consider, be honest with each other now, Consider the mess our own country is in right now. It's a mess. Where, let's face it, most men and women have no idea what the Bible has to say about their own purpose in life. Never mind their interactions with each other. And if a well-intentioned, well-educated believer gives them the stark truth from Holy Scripture, they write them off as a quack. Case in point, How many 15-year-old girls want to hear that they shouldn't be dating American style? How many of those girls imagine that their very first kiss is on their wedding day? That's an absurdity by our society standard, is it not? It's an absurdity that that would actually be the case. Yet such activities preserve the sanctity of marriage. So says Holy Scripture. For that matter, how many hormonal young men have it in their minds that there's no such thing as sex before marriage 
that that's ordained by God. Again, absurdity, right? Just look at best-selling books and movies like The Notebook. It's garbage. It's garbage, yet because of the sentimentality of it, people eat it up like candy. Oh, but they're in love. Look at these teenagers. They're in love. And oh, by the, oh just by the way, they, they make out and they have sex. And it's, it's all great because they ended up together. And there's this whole sentimentality that goes along with this garbage. And it's Hollywood. All I can say is what we just noted. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares who? The Lord. So let's continue with our review of God's divine design for the woman. Again, the point on the board, for starters, man and woman were designed to depend upon each other. While the ways in which they serve each other may differ, the simple fact is that God created them in His image. He knew what He was doing. Genesis 1.27. The next point we noted, and this is points of review, remember, God's divine design. There's a difference between authority and superiority. Uh, women are not or are subordinate, not inferior. There's a difference between authority and superiority. Just because someone's in authority doesn't mean that they're superior. It's just the divine design. Women are subordinate, not inferior. From the very beginning, the Bible tells us that the woman was designed for man because man was lacking. Now talk about having a purpose, ladies. Adam's help me. God created man purposely inadequate. Remember, he's omniscient. He knew that the man was going to be lacking, so he created a woman to complete him, so to speak. He then created a woman to complement him. This does not mean that women are inferior to men. However, divine authority has been given to men, particularly in marriage. We saw that with Adam and Eve. As we know from the book of Genesis, both Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, being tempted by Satan as the serpent. And as promised, God cursed them, something Paul alludes to years later. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Paul alludes to this years later. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. This is Paul's way of going back to the book of Genesis, you see. Just like I had suggested you do earlier today. Go back to the book of Genesis. Why? Because it matters. Because this is where it all started. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, Paul, For as in Adam all die so also in Christ all will be made alive. That's pointing directly back to the fall. For as in Adam, all die. He's our federal head. We are born spiritually depraved, spiritually dead because of that fall. As the Spirit has taught you, spiritual death, therefore, means separation from God. We noted the ramifications of spiritual death and the woman's curse up here on the board. Again, still reviewing from Thursday. The woman was cursed to bear pain during her most beloved act, which is childbirth. Furthermore, she would struggle with the godly designed authority in marriage that she is to submit to her husband. So she was going to be in pain during childbirth and having trouble uh, submitting to the authority, the divinely ordained authority in marriage, which would be given to her husband. So practically speaking, up here on the board, the woman's curse manifests in sin, 
Not only was the woman's curse described after the fall in the Garden of Eden, but the manifestations of it have haunted mankind ever since. And all you have to do is look around. You don't have to look far. They're haunted, and they've actually matured, especially in our own country. This is very obvious, where the man-woman relationship has been turned upside down. Although you women are under the ancient curse that traces all the way back to the garden, do not despair. Go to Philippians 4.4. Philippians 4.4. So where do you find relief? Some of you are like, but geez, it's just my nature. Yeah, it is. It's your sin nature to want to buck the authority. So where's the relief then? Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. In other words, keep your eyes on the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So maybe you do have to dwell. Maybe you have to have that sort of time alone. Maybe you're just having a hard time, um, you know, in your marriage or something like that. We'll focus on Christ then. Take a moment. Settle down, take a breather, say a prayer, focus on Christ. Whatever is good, focus on those things. Therefore, I say to you ladies here today, up here on the board, do not be discouraged. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, Acts 16.31. Once saved, you have access to God's power. Think about that. Which is infinitely stronger than your sinful flesh. If you abide in Him, you will be able to overcome your struggles. You will be sanctified. At the end of the morning session uh, message, the Spirit mentioned virtue. And this is today's topic, the virtuous woman, up here on the board. Spiritual and practical, so this is new material, spiritual and practical wisdom plus moral virtues make the character of the virtuous woman. Again, spiritual and practical wisdom plus moral virtues make the character of the virtuous woman. She is the embodiment of God's design for women as he created her originally in the Garden of Eden. So before we even go any further, before we go any further, I'm going to say this right up front. Ladies, relax. Don't look at principles like this and go, I'm nothing like that. I'm just throwing in the towel. That would be the wrong reaction. That would, you be, that would be you being emotional. Okay? Remember, the divine standard is way up here, and nobody meets it in time. Everybody's being progressively, or what we would call experientially sanctified. Okay? We all start off depraved, we're changed, but then we have a lot to learn. And this goes with you ladies. That's why virtue is something that usually takes a very long time to develop to be closer to the divine standard. So just relax. Don't get all 
you know, condemned and feeling down and feeling like you're going to throw in the towel, okay? So spiritual and practical wisdom plus moral virtues makes the character of the virtuous woman. She is the embodiment of God's design for women as he created her originally in the Garden of Eden. The Bible has a wonderful passage that describes the virtuous woman penned by the wisest man of his time, King Solomon, David's son. Go to Proverbs 31.10. Proverbs 31.10. So this is the wisest man of his time. Remember, that's what he prayed to God for. Give me wisdom. So he did. And he's described as the wisest man of his time. Proverbs 31.10 is what he wrote on this subject. And so we ought to listen up because it's obviously inspired Holy Scripture as well. Proverbs 31.10, but this was in Solomon's heart, you see? That's how it works. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife, who can find? We could stop right there. An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. Up here on the board. A virtuous woman is difficult to find because she must truly love the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mark 12.30. How many women fit this description? You notice I'm not talking about anything other than a woman's love for Christ. You want to start, you want to find a virtuous woman, that's where you start. Does she love Christ more than anybody else? Does she love Christ more than you? You want to find a virtuous woman? That is where you start. Ladies, you want to find a virtuous man? Guess what? That is where you start. You don't back into these things. A virtuous woman is difficult to find because she must truly love the Lord Jesus Christ with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mark 12.30. How many women fit this description up here on the board? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Again, Solomon wrote, verse 10, An excellent wife who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Up here in the board. She fulfills God's divine design for women. We just looked at that last time. Since she was originally designed as man's helpmeet, the virtuous woman exemplifies her role as wife and mother. Again, she fulfills God's divine design for women. Since she was originally designed as man's helpmeet, the virtuous woman exemplifies her role as wife and mother. Furthermore, The Bible speaks of the glory of the woman through practical means. Verse 13. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. Up here on the board. Her words are not empty. She is diligent in her love for the Lord God. Her love is evident in her desire to labor for her family as unto the Lord. Now, if you're single, then then you labor as unto the Lord, period. There's scripture that covers that. Her love is evident, but if you have a family, this is how it's evident. If you're a wife, this is what a virtuous woman looks like. 
she's really hard to find. Her words are not empty. She is diligent in her love for the Lord God. Her love is evident in her desire to labor for her family as unto the Lord. Hold your place there. We're going to keep using that passage, obviously. Put the string there or the rope or whatever you call it thing. Hold your place and let's go to that passage that mirrors the passage regarding the filling of the Spirit. And in the context of today's study of the virtuous woman, it makes sense to ponder the practical things we might see in her. For we will be reading precisely what the Holy Spirit will inspire and convict this woman's character to be like. In other words, what's a... Okay, so of course the Holy Spirit wants virtue in a woman. Well, what's he going to inspire then? What's, what's the practical bearing of this woman in time? Colossians 3.12. Because a lot of women are out there that say, I love Jesus, and then they're out doing what? Oh, I totally love Jesus. And they're totally disrespecting their husband in the same sentence. Well, no, that's Colossians 3.12. That's not, that's not love for Jesus Christ at all. Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of, and that goes in marriages, obviously, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Remember the uh, analog of Christ over the church. The church is his bride. So wives, be subjects to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Jump to verse 23. We're just jumping over some of the other artifacts. Verse 23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Even in marriage, you are ultimately serving the Lord. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Again, up here on the board, <clears throat> the virtuous woman her words are not empty. She is diligent in her love for the Lord God. Her love is evident in her desire to labor for her family as unto the Lord. All right, go back to Proverbs 31, 13. Proverbs 31, 13. So in other words, as you've guessed already, I suppose, you realize that a virtuous woman is not an armchair warrior. Do you know what that means? That's slang, obviously. It means she doesn't just sit around and talk a big game. She's actually doing things. She doesn't just primp herself up in the morning and her, her big role in life is to be her husband's trophy. 
That's not the virtuous woman at all. At all. She might be, you know, attractive or something like that. Hopefully she is to her husband. But that's not her role. This is what you're seeing. These are the things. Very practical, isn't it? Reminds you of women of old. Like whenever I think of women of 150 years ago, you know, milking cows and goats and sweeping floors and husking corn and working hard. And the husband's out cutting lumber, hopefully, doing his job. You know, whatever they did, that was the family dynamic. They taught their kids the Bible. There was no, you know, cable TV. There was no, you know, MTV. There was none of this garbage. The family was a unit. It was tight. They taught their children the truth and the word of God, and that's how it went about. And the women weren't primping themselves up every day. A lot of them probably wore burlap skirts, and, you know, their hair was probably tied back. I mean, do you understand what I'm getting at? They didn't make themselves up to milk a cow. That's the point. What do you see? That's what I see. Women are not trophies. So women, stop acting like it. You're better than that. Amen? You're not trophies. The world wants to tell you you should be a little trophy on some idiot's arm, right? Some puffed up idiot with tattoos. No offense with guys with tattoos, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, I got tattoos. Settle down there, mister. My tattoos rock. Whatever. You get the point, right? You're not a trophy, so stop acting like it. Don't let this world tell you that's your worth. Verse 13. You have purpose, my dear ladies. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like, we just learned that you work as under the Lord, you see. So even if the husband's being a schmuck, you work with her hands. She works with her hands in delight. Why? Because she's working as unto the Lord. That's why. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. Up here on the board. She is satisfied with her lot. That's another big problem nowadays. You've got feminists telling women they shouldn't be satisfied with being women. She is satisfied with her lot. In fact, she understands that to perform her duties as unto the Lord within her own household is to glorify God in time. At no point does she feel inferior to man. Rather, she feels honored to serve him. She is satisfied with her lot. In fact, she understands that to perform her duties as unto the Lord within her own household is to glorify God in time. At no point does she feel inferior to man. Rather, she feels honored to serve him. And just for balance, the man should feel honored to serve his wife. Verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. See, she's not afraid of even business transactions. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. Up here on the board. She is diligent in every way, even in business. She does not have idle hands. Rather, her desire is to work hard for her family. Her motivation is to glorify God. Maybe, and by the way, uh, maybe her closest family is the church family. You're all family. 
Do you understand? We're in this together. Last time I checked, right? She does not have idle hands. That's, I'm telling you right now, people, I just had this discussion with Sean. He's only 16, but he's learning. Idle hands is a devil's workshop. You want to get yourself in trouble? I'm serious. Clear your schedule. Leo's laughing, obviously, Leo. We'll do a testimony later. <laughs> you want to get yourself in trouble? Clear your schedule for a while. Seriously. You're much better filling your schedule with something productive, if not reading your Bible, of course. Because the, I'm telling you right now, I know from personal experience, the longer I sit still, the worse my mind gets. And I start thinking about bad stuff. She does not have idle hands. Rather, her desire is to work hard for her family. Her motivation is to glorify God, giving thanks for the opportunity to do so. This is a concept. Giving thanks for the opportunity to bring glory to God by working hard for a purpose within the divine design of God. Wouldn't it be nice if every woman had that and that was uh, like emblazoned on their souls from birth? Think of 150 years ago when it actually happened, right? Wouldn't that be nice? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Up here on the board. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're a woman, oh man, embrace it. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But you don't reap the blessings unless you actually ratchet yourself into the design that God has for you, your purpose. If you start listening to the world, you're going down, you're, you're, you're going to be in shambles. Verse 19, Proverbs 31. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, and she stretches out her hands to the needy. Out here, up here on the board, <clears throat> she is sensitive to the needs of others. She is compassionate, always open to helping others in need. Doesn't mean she can help everybody, but she's open to it. She is sensitive to the needs of others. I'm not saying that this is just me translating and putting some practicality on what the Bible says. Amen? I'm not saying anything that's not in the Bible. She is sensitive to the needs of others. She is compassionate, always open to helping others in need. And I was thinking of, uh, and I'm doing it right now again, I was thinking of Nirmala, the wife, Madhava's wife, who spends her time considering the needs of many needy children in the area. She brings them Bibles, food, medicine, and as a result, brings glory to God. The virtuous woman, I remember sitting there, it's kind of funny, remember this? I remember sitting there in the morning, we would get up, Joey and I would get up every morning, Shuffle downstairs, and even though we were up hours before, I think they normally got up, the caretaker, Sam, or his wife would always come out and give us these amazing coffees. I mean, amazing coffee. The milk was from uh, the water buffalo. So whatever was in that was, like, unbelievable. But anyway, so Madhava shows up, and Namala shows up. Madhava sits down next to me and kind of, like, says, hey, can I get a coffee here? And, and Namala's right to work. Shuffling around the place, and he just looks at me and goes, she's all. I go, she's, she's a good woman, huh? He goes, oh, yeah, she's a good woman. And he, like, was really, you know what I'm saying? And we literally, it was, like, 
idiots, right? We're sitting there drinking coffee, and the woman's running around sweeping and cleaning up, and he's going, yeah, she's a good woman. I'm like, yeah, she really is. Doesn't mean he can't take rest, but you know what I'm saying. That's the story. So I thought about Nirmala, um, that she would bring glory to God that way. The virtuous woman is also well-prepared, not slack. She fills her vats in good times, so that in bad, her home does not go without. So she is also a diligent planner, up here on the board. She does not fear adversity because she works hard while others slack off, knowing that at some point, as in everyone's life, hard times may fall. She wears preparation like a badge of honor. Again, she does not fear adversity because she works hard while others slack off knowing that at some point, as in everyone's life, hard times may fall. She wears preparation like a badge of honor. Verse 21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Up here in the board. The virtuous woman is beautiful where it counts. On the inside, she is blessed by others as a result of her virtuous treatment of them. God's grace returns to her. Again, she's beautiful where it counts on the inside. She's blessed by others as a result of her virtuous treatment of them. Grace, God's grace returns to her. Luke 6.38 up here on the board says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. So you see, the virtuous woman looks out for not just those in her family, but those in need, outside of her family. And the grace returns to her. Doesn't mean she receives a check in the mail. It could be what I saw when I was in India. When the children were present, both Madhava and Amala had smiles that were bigger than their faces. It was like a, almost like a character. <laughs> I just looked around. It was just in their element. That's the blessing. Hold your place there. And let's see where the Apostle Peter speaks to the inner beauty of the virtuous woman. Inner beauty of the virtuous woman. As a side note, does any of this, this is just, just before you flip, does any of this, as far as we've gotten, does any of this even resemble the women that are held up in our society as the so-called catches? I mean, come on. Does any of this even ring a bell? Kim Kardashian? I'm serious. This is gross. I hate to even say this, but you need to hear this. Some of you will be like, that really? Yes, that really happened. This is the woman who made a sex tape with her boyfriend and then her own mother negotiated with the folks who published it publicly. What? Her own mother negotiated the terms. And the Kardashians are everywhere. It is beyond grotesque. And those are the so-called catches. Are you kidding me? Today, our society holds up the most immoral, depraved, whorish women as, quote, desirable. And they are nothing but a bunch of paint-faced, tummy-tucked, morally scrawny idols. 
And while they appear to look good on the outside, they are ghastly where it counts. Shelled out harlots, at least as God is concerned, on the inside. They make public mockery of everything God designed women to be, prostituting themselves to get ahead, objectifying men like puppy dogs, and exuding Tashuka in their quest to flip God's divine design for men-women relationships upside down. If that sounds harsh to you, my suggestion is that you need to read your Bible more often. Either that or open your eyes. And if you're unwilling to do either of those things, just imagine for a moment what the perfectly righteous creator of these folks thinks about such things. Go to 1 Peter 3.1. 1 Peter 3.1. What did the Spirit inspire on this topic? I'm thinking, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm thinking it wasn't the Kardashians. <laughs> just going to go, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe you disagree, I don't know, but I'm going to go out on a limb. 1 Peter 3, 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Well, there's a novel concept. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external. doesn't mean you can't adorn yourself braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Okay, go back to Proverbs 31.23. 31.23. So there's more on this. Inner beauty. What about the practical side? Proverbs 31.23, Your husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land, up here on the board. As a result of her own industry, her husband benefits. Remember, the husband is the head of the household. It doesn't even matter if the woman today makes more money. The husband is the head of the household. You don't believe me? Read the Bible. You got a problem with that? Take it up with God. As a result of her own industry, her husband benefits. In the community, his own reputation increases. She brings honor to her husband and therefore the entire household. That's not what I hear in this world. You know what I hear in this world? Women complaining about their husbands. Constantly. Nagging him down, complaining, he's this, he's that, he's, he's, he's not this, he's not that. That's not godly. That's not bringing glory to God. You don't bring glory to God, ladies, by bashing your husband, especially not publicly. The virtuous woman, as a result of her own industry, her husband benefits. 
in the community, his own reputation increases. She brings honor to her husband and therefore the entire household. Verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. See how industrious she is? These things reflect well on her household. And since they reflect well on her household, they reflect well on the head of the household, the man. Throughout all of these magnificent traits, she embodies something very special. And I want you to listen closely. She embodies something very special. Look at verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing. That's just awesome. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. There it is again, ladies. Idle hands is the devil's workshop. I cannot stress that enough. I remember beating on the guys on this topic. Get to work. Not just to make money. Just get to work. Do something industrious. Because if you hang around, you're going to do something stupid. You're giving space. You're leaving space for the devil. Do you understand? I sound like an old preacher, don't I? I don't care. You, I hope you know what I'm saying. Don't be idle. And ladies, the same thing. Don't be idle. Get off Facebook. Get off Instagram. Get off those social networks where, you know, your old flames are, or the disgusting, vile, serpentine men are who are looking for pray like you. Get off of them. Do something productive with your time. Stop getting wrapped up in the, the real, what, what, the Kardashians reality show, whatever the heck that was. I don't even know if that's on anymore. Or Big Brother or the, the bro, what the heck's that one where people get married off? Nobody wants to say it. <laughs> Bachelor, Bachelorette, something like that, something like that, right? One of those. Stop watching that garbage. What's wrong with you? Jeez, Jim. He's like, man, I'm just being asked to give up everything. <laughs> right? Idleness. I am convinced of this. This is a theme in my own studies for a long time now. This idea of idleness. This idea of having too much time. Unoccupied space. I'm convinced of it. It is the devil's workshop. Eventually that time is going to be filled. If you're not filling it with something godly, it's going to be filled by something. And usually, given this world, and given the media, and the, in the, just the, the amount of stimuli that's in this world, I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm, oh I'm, no, I'm going, to go through, I'm going to go to the park and walk through the park. And I'm going to, all I'm going to think about the whole time I'm there is Romans 1. Because this is God's creation. This is going to be God just flood over me. Flood over me. Oh, man. Look at the skirt on that one. Oh, man. Look at that. Oh, man. What are you doing? Just saying. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the only sick one in the group. The virtuous woman, her character and integrity run so deep that she wears strength and dignity as her clothing. She is confident, wise, and the very embodiment of kindness. She is grace and love like her Lord, 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. Her character and integrity run so deep that she wears them. Uh, she wears strength and dignity as her clothing. She is confident, wise, and the very embodiment of kindness. She is grace and love like our Lord Jesus Christ. As a result, she is honored in every way, especially by her family. Especially by her family. How did he start off? A good wife, who can find? She's more valuable than gem, gemstones, a jewel. Yeah. Verse 28, what's it say? Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, there's another one. So guys, shut up. She's not a ball and chain. She's a gift from God. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. In other words, the husband recognizes this beautiful person, this woman who compliments him rightly with dignity and strength up here on the board. She is a model for younger women. Man, we need a lot more of that, don't we? What are the models nowadays? On television? Seriously? The red carpet? What are your models here? Honestly, we need models, ladies. Not more of the same. We need models. She is a model for younger women. She is able to teach them true virtue through Holy Scripture and through her example. She is an encouragement to younger women, showing them that serving the Lord brings glory to God. That's why we saw uh, in the New Testament, it said, do not fear. Don't fear. She needs that encouragement. A young lady needs not to be afraid for being virtuous. She's a model. She's able to teach them through Scripture and example. She is an encouragement to younger women, showing them that serving the Lord brings glory to God. Hold your place. Go to Titus 2, 3. Titus 2, verse 3. Almost done. You can imagine what the women in India, the looks on their faces were very, were precious. Titus 2, 3. Right after Timothy. Titus 2.3 Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or ens nor enslaved to much wine. That's another one I've been thinking about. Lay off the wine, ladies. I'm serious. Lay off the wine. I don't know what the deal is. Lay off booze in general, both, both genders, but I don't know what the deal is. Is something about the elegance of wine that nobody thinks it's actually booze. But ladies, if you're having a, a couple of glasses of wine a night, you can't even drive. So lay it off, the wine, seriously. You're better off not even drinking, but that's between you and the Lord. But lay it off, lay off the wine, seriously. I don't know what the deal is. Anybody else seeing what I'm seeing here? Nobody? They're like, no, never. <laughs> wine, no. Grape juice for me all the way. Yeah, fermented grape juice. It says Welch's on the outside, but it's been there six years. <laughs> I know. Giddy up. <laughs> Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, 
not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, imagine that, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. I'm not going to say anything more about that. Go to verse 29 of Proverbs 31. Back to Proverbs 31, 29. Proverbs 31, 29. Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Hold your place there again. Go to 1 Timothy 2, 9. 1 Timothy 2, 9. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. Always got to wonder about charm. And beauty. Tremendous weapons if wielded by the wrong person. 1 Timothy 2.9 Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly. We, just, we covered that about a month or two ago. Not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women, making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Remember the context there was even within the church. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression." But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Okay, go back to Proverbs 31.30. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This is how we started. Fear, love for the Lord, that's the one that ought to be praised. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let her what? Her works. Oh, not, not her looks? Not her sexual appeal? No. How about being practical? The virtuous woman is, as much as anything, practical. She's not a trophy. You're not meant to be trophies, ladies. If you happen to be beautiful in someone's eyes, great. But that's not your purpose in life, to prance around like a trophy. That's degrading to you. And it's insulting to God who created you. So in many ways, having physical beauty is actually one of the first tests young ladies have to deal with. How do you respond? And what should you be telling young ladies who happen to possess some beauty to their, to, the, to their person? Be careful, because you're going to be an object. Not just by men. See, women are like, oh, yeah, men. No, how about women? How about you're an object of women? Think about that, ladies, when you go home today. The fact that you are probably more objectified by women in many ways than even men. And you do it to yourselves, not you, I hope. But this world... Here on the board. Her greatest attribute is that she fears the Lord. She loves him and serves him always. Every other task in her daily walk is a function 
of serving Him. For this she is praised rightly. Her greatest attribute, she fears the Lord. Single man, you're looking for a lady? That's what you're looking for. She loves Him and serves Him always. Every other task in her daily walk is a function of serving Him. Even, even her serving her husband, if she so gets married, even serving her husband is a function of serving the Lord. So says Scripture, because everything is done as unto the Lord, including being a diligent wife, a virtuous woman, so to speak, even. And for these things, she is praised rightly. Amen? Any questions? No. 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 Not the most popular lesson ever taught in human history. But that does end the, uh, the, that was the final session that I taught in India. And just so you know, as a recap, this is what it looked like. Remember, on the Monday we had the pastors conference. And we've been through all these. The morning was leading a congregation. The afternoon, the pastors example. We went out to a village uh, the next night, which was Tuesday, where I taught on spiritual gifts. On Wednesday, we woke up taught on uh, the children's conference in the morning, obedience at home, school, and church. The youth conference uh, was in the afternoon on that Wednesday, learning to walk by the Spirit of Christ. Then we went out to the village, another village, and I taught the pastor's example again to a group of about 13 pastors. And then finally was what we just finished up with, the morning session on Friday for the women's conference was God's divine design for the woman. That's what I taught on Thursday. And then the afternoon session was what I just taught this morning, the virtuous woman. And just a special thanks um, to our hosts, Madhava, Namala, and Rajesh. Um, they just really did a nice job. I'm sure Joey would agree uh, of mercy and grace charity. Um, it was just a wonderful time, and I'm so glad that the Spirit has given all of you these same blessings. So from our church's perspective, I'm truly hoping that all of you have thoroughly appreciated what the Spirit's done here for you over the past couple of weeks. I encourage you to keep on praying and giving, even, towards this very special part of our ministry. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us together this way to break bread, the very bread of life, Father. Thank you for knitting us together with those individuals, our brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the planet, especially those associated with and running Mercy and Grace Charity, Father. What a blessing it's been to express our love towards them and receive love in return, all in your Son's good name. Father, we ask for blessings on our individual ministries uh, that are localized, that might even just exist in our families or in our workplaces, that we might continue this kind of good work and step out on faith with perseverance, tenacity, and most of all, grace and love. We ask for traveling mercies as we take the things we've learned today out to a lost and dying world, Father, that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.